ever feel like technology is just a bunch of digital noise? It's important to know what it's really about. This is Telecom Talk with host Pat Pittman. Pat brings over a half century of experience in the telecom industry and has seen firsthand many changes, regulations, and new technology. Now, she answers your questions. Here's your host, Pat Pittman. Well, good afternoon. Hope everybody's doing well today. Um, I welcome you to Telcom Talk. Today, we are extremely lucky to have a very good guest who can tell you a lot about cloud services and things you might be interested in what the cloud can and cannot do. We're also going to touch a little bit on auditing the cloud. So I'd like to introduce Robert Harris from Com Advantage in California. Say hello, Robert. Hi, Pat. How are you today? I'm good. How are things in Southern California? Pretty good. It's staying nice and cool for this time of year, so so we'll keep our fingers crossed for the rest of the month. Yeah, you're not so kidding. So good. Yeah, um, you're not anywhere near those fires that are breaking out, are you? Those are a little south of us. South of you. Okay, so you're doing okay. Good. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't want you to be anywhere near that. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the cloud. Robert, could you explain a little bit about the cloud to our listeners? Some of them are not very uh, tech savvy as far as you know what cloud services means. Sure, I'll be glad to. When we talk about cloud services, most people on a consumer level actually are experiencing something that is a cloud service. For example, if you have if, if you even have Netflix or any kind of a streaming service, you're using a cloud service. Instead of all of the information being stored on your shelf in a videotape or DVD library, you all of the information and programming is stored out at a data center somewhere. Uh, it's, it's really called the cloud because you don't need to know or you don't need to care where the data center is as long as you have a good internet connection, you have an expectation that the service will come in and work. In the same way, many people will have will have email services. I'd say most consumer email and probably a, a majority of the business enterprise email now comes in as a cloud service, and that means that it's all stored somewhere other than other than a a data server in your own environment or in your own office. So there's all kinds of different cloud services, but the general explanation: the cloud originally referred to just a cloudy area where you you kind of you kind of lost track of of where the information didn't you didn't care because it wasn't your responsibility but that's what we mean by cloud services well that's good because i think a lot of people get confused when we're talking about cloud services you know they really can't imagine what what that really means so you know it doesn't make sense to them but that you know it's funny i actually I was, um, you reminded me of a funny story, which you'll appreciate with your telecom background. Uh, a, a telecom engineer from one of the telephone system companies that I knew very well told me that he went hiking with his, his teenage son. 
and they were up somewhere in the woods in, in Northern California, and he couldn't get any phone reception. And he told his son, son, you're not going to get phone reception up here. And his son said, but isn't it all from the cloud? And so that's, <laughs> that's really the non-technical expectation is that no matter where you go, it's just there. You know, there's, I almost wonder if he thought there's clouds in the sky, so why aren't, why aren't I getting my phone service? Exactly. But you're right. There's a lot of misunderstanding about it. Okay. Um, also, isn't th- is there a difference between a private cloud and a public cloud? Oh, absolutely. A private cloud normally refers to something that is managed by the company and and has and the company that that runs it has responsibility for it. So, a public cloud would be something like like uh, Google Drive, for example, or uh, more familiar to many people on the consumer level would be Dropbox. You're, you're storing your information and sharing it with other people, and that's a public cloud. You're not responsible for running or updating the servers or worrying about um, how much storage there is other than just paying for whatever you use. A private cloud, which really kind of, if you go back to the original definition of a cloud, which is this unknown kind of ether area, Mm-hmm. Where, um, you don't have to worry about service, but it really takes that same architecture where you'd have a company that may have lots of little retail stores, for example, and they may have a big data center somewhere in a secure area like like Colorado or just somewhere where there's a lot of resiliency and, and, and no earthquakes or, or whatever their criteria is, and everything homes back into that data center. That would be a private cloud. So it's a similar type of service where you're getting served from a central location, but it's actually run by the business rather than some third-party responsibility. Okay. I think that's pretty clear to everybody. Um, it's funny, many years ago, when I'm talking many years ago, um, I don't know if you remember Ross Perot? Oh, yeah, I sure do. Okay, well, Ross Perot probably was one of the original cloud people. Um, what he started his business, he rented computer space from Frito-Lay, which was near where he was at the time, and he took the programs from people's local computers and put them on the computers at Frito-Lay and ran it and you know took care of it and updated it and did all the stuff that normally would have been done by the customer and now it's being done by at that time EDS. So I guess that was one of the earlier cloud providers. It's funny because then everybody went the other way and wanted to have their own hardware and now it, we're going back the other way. Nobody wants their own hardware. <laughs> As we're going going around in circles. Right, and that's exactly correct. We will always go around in circles because you have you have uh, you have small small scale computing that is getting more and more affordable and, and more viable. So you are even seeing now uh, where people have something like Google Cloud, and instead of saying, "Well, we don't want to always," you know, we don't want to have ten different connections into this just to maintain the connectivity and make sure we never lose it so they may have a replication of it within their environment uh, in their own edge computing which is the edge of their environment so so yeah there's a there is a shift back and even with things like artificial intelligence and speech recognition where you can run some of what used to be too complex to run on very small devices they're now 
they're now able to embed some of that information even even to into a smartphone, which to me is amazing. But it take, takes care of a big problem where you don't necessarily want your your sensitive information or your fingerprint authentication and all those things stored up in the cloud. You don't want everything there. There's some stuff that you want close by that really can self-destruct if you lose your phone or something like that. Yeah, that's true. Um, how did you become focused on cloud cost management? It's interesting because I was, um, I've actually always been a telecom and infrastructure consultant and worked on a lot of different projects. And in about 2008 or 2009, I was using a SharePoint website that was, um, and I was using it just for project management. It was one of the first cloud services I used. And it was hosted by a company called Smith Bridge Technologies, and they were just a small, very nice white glove uh, service. They, I talked to the guy, I think, who owned the company every time I called them, and they sold their company to Dell. But it didn't become part of the big Dell corporation. It kind of got set aside into a, a kind of catch-all customer service number. So when I wanted to stop using it about a year later, I could never get a hold of anyone who understood it. And I started sending them reports saying, look, I haven't logged on to this for months, and they still kept charging me the monthly fee. And as I got more and more frustrated, eventually getting it resolved after about three to four months of, <laughs> of going back and forth with customer service, I thought, that's when it really clicked. I thought, this is going to be the new phone bill one day. You're right. So that was over 10 years ago. And I really expected to see a surge in cloud expense management with a lot of the traditional telecom expense management consulting companies and practices mm -hmm. and even the software. And I never really saw that happen to, to my surprise. Meanwhile, I kept on plodding along with my infrastructure consulting practice. That's not to say it wasn't exciting. Plodding along makes it sound unexciting. So <laughs> I kept on working on exciting projects with um, my infrastructure consulting practice. And more and more, I was asked to do a total cost of ownership analysis or a cost analysis of cloud versus on-premise. So cloud oh. kind of became part of that practice. Almost anybody who's buying a phone system, even very, very large companies or a new contact center is going to take some time to ask that question and evaluate the costs and the benefits. So, and then at, at some point at the end of some of these projects, when they had gone to cloud, there was a lot of reconciling the bill to the contract. Uh, so this started with like cloud voice over IP services and eventually led to other services that the companies wanted me to look at. And it's interesting, my very first, what I would say, full audit the cloud company, or mm -hmm. first, I'm sorry, customer, mm -hmm. I originally looked at their, their small voice or IP services to make sure they were getting a good deal and then making sure it complied with the contract. And I ended up looking at 30 different cloud services for them. So what a way to start. It wasn't even a very large company. They were just so bought into the cloud that they had all these different services to look at. And that was really how I got the start is just reconciling things as part of the, the regular telecom consulting practice and really seeing that there's a huge need for this. A lot of um, a lot of companies, their whole mind frame towards going to the cloud is I don't want to be in the server business anymore, or I don't want to be in the software update business, or whatever business you know they are. These are IT professionals, but they don't want to be in the IT business anymore. They want to solve business problems. That's kind of the lingo you hear. A lot of times they get rid of the very experts who help manage those costs and understand how the consumption works. 
That's true. Um, I think a lot of people are just tired of putting up with the constant updates and all of those types of stuff that interrupt your day. And, you know, rather concentrate on their business and do what their business requires them to do. Absolutely. And it's not, uh, you You know, probably from, I, I believe, if you have any telecom system background, which I, I know you do, uh, it, even that's changed where now there's these software assurance programs. You can no mm-hmm. longer just buy hardware and software and you've paid for it until it's it's too old for you to be able to use. There's all kinds of maintenance agreements that go along with it and software support that you have to have if you want them to come out and, and really really in a way the hardware and the on-premise vendors kind of um, kind of were with they went through the self-defeating process their real value proposition used to be buy it once and yes. amortize it and use it until you need something else and they've really in in the search for increasing revenue have kind of gotten away from that model where even if you buy a phone system or buy a um, buy a whole database system or whatever it is there's still a lot of recurring fees and a lot of upgrade fees that are are constantly constantly come due. Yeah, and I think one thing that confuses people a lot is now they seem to be going to the Microsoft licensing model where you have to keep buying different licenses to do different things, and I think that's pretty confusing to people. Yeah, it can get confusing, and usually the result is that is overconsumption. People will buy more they'll buy a larger package than they need to that that happens a lot or and a lot of times that that's one of the big savings opportunities that i've seen is that you have people that may need to that maybe they have a great salesman but he moved on to something else started his own marketing company or whatever and they need to keep his email address because there's still inquiries and contacts and things flooding through that email address but they'll keep the entire office 365 suite instead of just downgrading them to that email address. And that's, that's more common and actually more expensive. On a, on a list price level, that can be the difference between $20 a month and $4 a month. So if you, you multiply that times, um, times you know, scenarios over and over over about a year that happen mm-hmm. like that with, with normal employee churn, it can get expensive. Yeah, well, absolutely. Who just are, are subscribed to things they're never going to use. You know, you have a lot of people who... You know, their job basically is to roll on their chair from the file cabinet you know, back to, to their <laughs> desk, and they're never going to use the advanced business analytics that come with a lot of these, a lot of these tools. Okay, you come from a telephone back, a telecommunications, telecom background. I know that because, you know, we've known each other for quite a few years. How is the cloud service yeah. related? And what are some of the differences that you're now seeing? I know, you know, everybody thinks of telecom as a telephone guy with the tool bag on his hip. Um, I know we're getting away from that. So what are some of the differences? Well, some of the differences, I think, as far as the telecom expense management side is Mm -hmm. telecom and then data services, a lot of the even the consulting and the expense management it relied on insider information. And you had somebody who used to be a, um, used to work for one of the Bell companies. 
Mm-hmm. The whole idea that they had, they worked for the dark side, so they knew all of their secrets. And, you know, now they're going to come rescue you, the business customer. And to some degree, that was true because there were so many complicated regulations and tariffs and little, uh, little things to look for, even on normal service orders, that um, you, you really had to get that information from somewhere. There was kind of a level of obscure or secret knowledge. And I'd say even with telecom now, as opposed to back then, you really don't have secret knowledge. You, what you have is a lot of information to go through, but really you can find out anything that you need to find out. And it's always been that way with cloud. You've never had the same regulation on cloud, maybe a little bit of regulation with voice over IP services mm-hmm. to make sure they have 911 and you know whatever local taxes are, are, are due from them. But for the most part, the information is just out there and it's just a lot of heavy lifting. A uh, lot more complexity and a lot more hard work, but um, you need some market intelligence to do rate benchmarking. But you don't have to spend um, uh, you don't have to spend years or, or you don't have to spend weeks going through the tariffs. I have to ask you: you you actually were doing telecom expense management before the internet was pervasive and before FCC had a website. Is that right? I mean, oh yeah, that must have been. Believe it or not, to go through like I'm a. Yeah. I'm a an old tel- telephone company employee. I was the service rep for the telephone company way back when. So um, I'm one of those people who came out with a telecom background and then just changed companies and changed quote-unquote businesses, but always stayed in the telecom arena. And I've worked mostly for – I've worked for carriers, um, large consumers like I, I – ran some networks for General Motors. I've worked for, you know, large companies, you know, American Express, Honeywell, plate pieces like that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of change has come about in <laughs> in this industry. And it's come and go, yeah. that's for sure. Right, yeah. And so one of the differences is all of these things that you used to have to um, you just have to find a way of getting like tariffs or service agreements right. from the phone company. You can now download from a public utilities commission or from the FCC website. And likewise, with the cloud side, you can download their terms of service, which are subject to change all the time. Anytime, this is what's funny because uh, the cloud companies have copied the um, what the phone companies used to do with the file tariff. Anytime they want to update their contract, all they have to do is change the wording on their website, and you've agreed to it if you sign their basic form without negotiating out of it. That's, so that's a, a little trick they learned. Yeah, that's an <laughs> interesting me. point. I think a lot of people don't understand that. Well, let's take a break and hear from our sponsors, and we can come back and um, talk a little bit more about those tariffs and uh, website changes. So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? 
Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Every day in business, we hear jargon, see writing from so-called experts, and don't know what we should follow and what we should avoid. Now, there's a program to sort everything out. The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman is the program that provides actual best practices, insights, and real-world solutions that help business executives, technology executives, managers, and staff using straightforward talk. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice of America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Telecom Talk. To reach Pat Pittman or her guest today, call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, send it to ppittman at stonegate-consulting.com. That's P-P-I-T-T-M-O-N at stonegate-consulting.com. Now, back to Telecom Talk. Well, welcome back to Telecom Talk with Pat Pittman. Um, Today, we've been having an interesting discussion with Robert Harris. Uh, He is basically involved in doing cloud cost management. And we started talking a little bit about tariffs and uh, service agreements and things like that. And I think a lot of people don't understand how all of this works. So um, I can remember when I was working for the telephone company, I... uh, they had tariffs, and tariffs were like these huge books. And believe it or not, there were there were non-tariff tariff pages. The telephone company had pages that were not in the tariff book, but actually were part of the tariff. It was very confusing. Uh, you really had to understand what they were trying to do, which was basically hide it from the public. So uh, let's talk a little bit about those those changes and how they can change those things, Robert. Yeah, that's good, Pat. And I was thinking actually while we were on break that um, it's it's easy for us to kind of nerd out about this because <laughs> we have the background. But I think that if I if I had to give a, a consumer level example, I would say because almost everybody has a smartphone. And yep. every time you get an update to your um, Apple or your iPhone software or your Android software, you have this really, really long terms and conditions that shows up that you have to click OK to, to go through in order to use the new software. 
which is from the cloud. It's downloaded from the cloud, and then in order to use it, you have to sign the song agreement. And what do most people do? They look at it and they go, yeah, 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 blah, 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 and they just push OK because they want to get back to playing their, their favorite new game app or whatever they're doing <laughs> on their phone. And that's perfectly fine at a consumer level because, you know, on the consumer level, if there's something that's terrible in that terms and conditions, the whole world of Twitter and Instagram are going to find out about it and it'll be solved. But you, you apply that same concept, which you have in cloud services, to a business. And suppose in that terms and conditions, in those terms and conditions, are things that are going to affect your business or affect the cost of using those services. They actually say things like, if you use it too much, we're going to shut it off or we're going to charge you extra. Or if you don't use it enough, you're going to pay a minimum charge or different things that show up. So it really, it really is, it really is worth on a business level being mindful about those terms and conditions and making sure, first of all, that you find a way to lock them down. If you don't want to accept any changes, there's ways you can negotiate in a contract. If, if you start changing things and it adversely affects my business, I have a right to leave the contract. Um, almost any vendor will agree to that. And also just to make sure you understand that most of the time they're not really written in your favor. They're written to protect the company that's providing the service, which you you can expect them to do. But really it's our responsibility in, on the business side uh, or whoever the business decision maker is to make sure that there's nothing in there or make sure that you get what you want on that contract too. Just like a real estate contract or anything else you look at, it, it you've got to read it and take the time to make sure you understand it and, and request changes. So uh, and that's all possible because there's not regulation like there used to be. We were talking about with the old tariff, yeah. which was used to hide information. But, I mean, the concept was it was to pr protect the consumers and protect the business side. We don't have that protection, but you also have a lot more flexibility to negotiate what you do, what you what you need in cloud services. So you can negotiate some um, of those terms and conditions away? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's not just for big, giant companies that, you know, are like the prize-winning company. I've, I've been able to do that for very small companies where I've shown that it's uh, – I'm talking about like even 20-person offices where I've, I've been able to show them this is kind of a, a silly term and condition. They need – this isn't really protecting the customer. And they'll agree to it then why do they put them in there to begin with? <laughs> well, because, <laughs> because if it's like your, your iPhone or your Android, enough people just click OK and pass through to where, you know, you're going to start. You're going to start. If you're, writing, if you're writing a contract or you're writing a terms of, of service, you're going to make it favorable, as favorable to you and as protective of your side as, as you can make it and then leave it up to the customer to change anything that they want changed. So buyer beware. Is that what we're talking? Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a much shorter <laughs> way of saying it. But to the whole question, though, about we had talked about some of the differences with cloud, and the real difference, um, the real big difference is when we used to when we used to manage and audit telecom and data services, there was always some kind of physical wire. Uh, even if you were managing for remote sites, you could still send a local tech out. With, mm -hmm. A tracing, a tracing device to figure out exactly what something was connected to or come back and tell you it's not connected to anything at all. That's not always true with cloud services. As a matter of fact, it's mostly mostly untrue with cloud services. But there are there's always some kind of connectivity. There's always 
uh, internet addresses. There's always logins, login credentials that are necessary. And there's also a lot more tools and reports that are available to measure usage and activity and I identify things like um, any kind of forgotten services or over-provisioning. So different way of inventorying all of your services that you have, but it is still possible even though there's nothing, even though it's all in the virtual internet world. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Sure. What are some of the types of errors and savings you see on cloud services? Well, for businesses, one of the the first things that we usually look at is oversubscription and you might have people, you have a lot of people that have duplicate services. And I'm guilty of this too, because I, as a consultant, I work for multiple clients. So I actually have Box, I have Dropbox, I have OneDrive, and yeah. one other that I can't think of right now. Oh, yeah, Google, Google, Google <laughs> yeah. Cloud for storage. Yeah, I have I Dropbox have, I have and different... yeah, Dropbox, iCloud, and Carbonite I use. Oh, yeah, I have Carbonite too. <laughs> okay. So. And we're, in, we're in a different we're in a different business, right? We 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 work with multiple clients, and True. they all have their own favorites. So we're we're accommodating. That's like a different channel in a way for the client. But with a large enterprise, they usually have one strategy, uh, one conferencing strategy, one storage strategy, and a lot of times you find people are using something again, something that's different from the. Um, they're, they're subscribing to a duplicate service. Um, with a different a competitor. I've even seen one. This is, I, I love this story uh, because the company had an enterprise agreement with WebEx, which basically meant, you know, use as many people as need conferencing, you know, you're paying this, this one rate and, and company-wide you can all use WebEx. And there was a guy who was expensing his personal WebEx account. And so when it would go to his expense <laughs> account, the um, accounts payable people would say, oh yeah, we use WebEx, so this must be valid. And they'd sign it up. But meanwhile, he could have been just using credentials for the company one, but um, I don't know if maybe had, he had had it for longer. We didn't do that much history on it before the company was using the, it as a standard, but you see a lot of redundant services, and like I said before, a lot of oversubscription, people just saving an email address and keeping like full licenses for, for all of the Microsoft applications along with it instead of downgrading the service, or even ones that can be just disconnected and nobody bothered to turn it in. Um, you've probably seen this at companies. The on uh, the offboarding process a lot of times is not as regimented as onboarding. Onboarding when a new employee or even a contractor comes in, they get a badge, they get some kind of a, a company ID uh, mm-hmm. and they get credentials to log into their computer and all these different things. And when they're offboarded, a lot of times a lot more of that falls through the cracks. And a lot more things are left that, that don't get turned off. And because cloud, you, you pay for everything that you're, you don't pay for everything you use, you pay for everything that you're subscribed to. So even if it's not used, if you're subscribing to it, you're paying for it. Interesting. So that, that's one thing is, is, that's one of the things, sorry, go ahead. that was one of the things with um, cell phone optimizations. When people leave companies, they just, the boss takes the phone and throws it in the drawer and doesn't think another thing about it, not realizing that they're paying monthly for that. Oh yeah, yeah. And then some, sometimes it's intentional. I, uh, you have people that will just buy a bunch of spares. You know, I, I yeah. know there were people that they always, their sales department is so valuable that they don't want any of them to even wait a half a day for a cell phone 
And it's the same thing with cloud services. You know, we want to have this, you know, we want to have these extra licenses ready to assign to someone right away. Um, it makes, makes, makes the job easier, but it also costs the company money. Um, I would say uncompetitive costs is the, is the other thing. You have people uh, that will start a uh, trial of a, a cloud service and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll do it with like 20 people. And then they'll say, this is great, this is wonderful, everyone's using all the services, we got positive feedback. And so they'll roll it out to the entire company of maybe 500,000 people. And they'd never bothered to see, are we, should we be paying the same prices for 20 people? They don't negotiate the cost down. And I've seen this actually, the, the real life example I have is, is with a, a storage company. It was actually, they had a company that put in a whole backup and storage uh, application for the company and it was done by a value-added reseller and they were actually marking up the storage costs a little bit, which was fine when it was just a small amount. That was how they paid for their engineering. Mm-hmm. They basically, yeah. you know, the customer is not going to get free engineering and consulting. They're going to pay for it either through some kind of a commission or some kind of a value-added fee. So that that was their model. But as they scaled up and started using more and more, it became a ridiculous price. And they were actually paying higher than the the single the single gigabyte license retail cost or terabytes, I think it was. Uh, don't remember all the details, but they were paying so much more, and it had scaled up so much, and they were still paying that same kind of upcharge from the reseller mm-hmm. that it was a it was a huge savings for them. So those are the kind of things. And then the last category, which is um, kind of different, is cloud computing inefficiencies, and these are. These are services like uh, Amazon Web Services and Microsoft Azure and Google Cloud and uh, even hosted data centers where you kind of have to, there's a lot of infrastructure behind the scenes and a lot of engineering, but a lot of times they are over-engineered as well. And if you have some a resource with the technical expertise, it, it's worth looking into that and seeing if there's ways that you can save money because there's a lot of savings in, in the cloud computing services as well. Are there any red flags that a customer can look at when they get a cloud bill to see you know, maybe they should have an audit? Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, any, I would say any anything other than costs that are already going down, and even costs that are going down, it's debatable. Because if you think about it, cloud is supposed to be consumption based. The whole value proposition of it is you're only going to pay for what you use. And mm-hmm. that means that even static costs can be a red flag. So, for example, suppose you're in a university and you're paying, uh, you're paying the same amount every month for your cloud computing services, but you really don't have the same consumption every month. You have registration periods when all the students are enrolling in classes and you have, uh, you have kind of a downtime. Why aren't your costs going down during that downtime? That means that there's some kind of a gap in the management of those services in order to scale them down. That's, and that's the value. If you wanted to pay the same cost every month, you could have just built your own data center and leased, leased the servers and you know, paid the same cost every month. So really, uh, really, even static costs, which a lot of times mm-hmm. people, and I get it, you know, people, it's, it's in budget. I've seen companies that that's how they manage even their telecom expenses. <laughs> Agreed. They have a purchase order for 12 months. <laughs> and as long as it doesn't exceed the PO, they know they're not paying too much. It's like, well, you've let go of of, you know, 50% of the staff at that facility while you're still paying the same amount. But um, so, so really, yeah, even static costs can be a red flag, but definitely increasing costs without explanation, 
So uh, there's a lot of um, lot of different reasons to look at cloud, but static costs are, are really, um, really to me show and non-dynamic costs, which are static costs, really show that somebody is doing something to keep a stable, predictable cost. They're either keeping a certain number of licenses, or I even had someone I talked to recently who said, we're going to reserve um, all the cloud computing that we need for the next three years so we never have to be surprised by the cost. And it's like, okay, well, that's like getting your most expensive month's electric bill and paying that amount for all 12 months just so you won't be surprised and just so you can set a budget for it. You know, it's not logical, and it, it defeats some of the some of the cost value proposition of cloud services. What kind of services are included in an audit? It's um, a lot of different services, and we've talked about some of them just by example. But mm -hmm. I categorize them in uh, first. I categorize them in communications type services. Mm -hmm. and I think that's first probably because that was my entry point into them. That would be like a vo voice over IP phone system or uh, hosted contact centers mm -hmm. and then conferencing services. Anything like GoToMeeting or WebEx or Zoom now, any of those type of services would be like uh, real-time communication services. That's That would be in scope for a cloud audit. And then you have infrastructure, which is uh, virtual machines. This is where a data center somewhere far away is managing your servers or development platforms and databases. There's cases with databases where, uh, with some of the, the more popular cloud services, where if you stay on an older version of a database, it costs you more and actually performs worse. And people just ignore the messages, you know, to upgrade to version 7 or whatever, and um, they end up at the old legacy cost because the, because the cloud service has to keep supporting that. So infrastructure type services, and then software as a service. And this is similar to some of the things on communications, but customer management systems like Salesforce or SAP, mm -hmm. the Office suites like Office 365 and, uh, and um, Google, uh, or G Suite, rather. I actually just did an audit of G Suite and found 20% um, savings on overutilization where they just hadn't moved these people into their um, vault, given them a vault license instead of a real-time license. And financial and procurement systems. Uh, what I find that people do is a lot of times, and I, I love this because it always makes a great story, they'll say, oh, I don't think you'll find anything with this, but, you know, go for it if you want to look at it. I had somebody who had a an, uh, Ariba spend management, which is now part of SAP. Mm -hmm. They had a spend management, spend management account, and they said, this is the same price every year. It's a fixed contract. We have to have this because some of our customers buy our product through it and so on, but go ahead and take a look at it. And I actually looked at their contract and their consumption and realized that they had had they had um, they had had more customers who were no longer procuring through that and they had gone to a lower tier it was actually a 40 percent savings it wasn't a huge amount uh, but it still was 40 percent hey 40 percent is 40 percent yeah just because they had they had gone under a threshold so even though it's a fixed cost if you're using less than that there may be a lower fixed cost for lower thresholds so it's always looking at it if there's no savings to find which uh, i haven't really had that happen happen very often but if there's <laughs> yeah. no savings to find it's usually simple to look at and it's it's worth looking at just because you should be understanding and controlling your costs okay well let's 
take another break. Um, our sponsors get antsy if we don't let them talk. So we're going to break right now, and we'll be back with Robert talking about um, auditing the cloud and the services that are in the cloud. We'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tired of the Get Rich Quick or How to Flip Home shows? Are you ready to step up your game and invest in commercial real estate? James Nelson, a top New York City broker, will show you step-by-step how to acquire, operate, and profit. You'll also hear from real estate legends on how they made their fortunes and industry experts on strategies for success. Tune into Real Estate Investing, live from New York, on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Telecom Talk. To reach Pat Pittman or her guest today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, send it to P. Pittman at Stonegate-Consulting.com. That's P, P-I-T-T-M-O-N at Stonegate-Consulting.com. Now, back to Telecom Talk. Welcome back to Telecom Talk. This is Pat Pittman, and today we're talking with Robert Harris regarding auditing cloud services and the types of services that you need in order to correctly use cloud services. Um, Robert, what kind of expertise do you need to, to have to look at cloud computing costs as opposed to standard software subscriptions? That's a, a good question. I've, I've, um, I, I, would, I would say it's equivalent since we have an audience that's familiar with telecom. Software subscriptions are more like your regular standalone phone lines. 
where basically you're going to look at it, you're going to look at the software subscription license, you're going to try and match it to someone or something, then you're going to find out that they use it, and then you're going to find out if you're paying the right price for it based on the volume. Very similar to how, you know, a, a one-to-one relationship. And cloud computing, things like Microsoft Azure and Amazon Web Services, those are more like auditing the lines and services that go into a contact center or a PBX. Mm-hmm. Where you have a lot of very unusual routing and menus, and you have a lot of, uh, in contact centers, you have a lot of, of um pain for events happening, like every time somebody selects an option in an IVR, it might cost you money. You need to understand what the customer's trying to do with it. That's the same with cloud computing. You, um, you need some internal knowledge and you need some internal tools to validate the usage. So that's really, really the difference. You also need, need more product knowledge. Just like with a PBX, you need to understand what actually can work in your telephone system, how you can optimize it. Mm-hmm. Cloud computing, you need the same kind of knowledge of what the company is offering in order to do an effective audit. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to do it. What it means is you should align yourself with the person who is in charge of those operations at the company mm-hmm. and really work with them and ask questions. Um, I've worked with a lot of different people at different companies, like internal resources uh, on, on audits and on expense management. And I remember working once with a, a 67-year-old CPA. He was he, was, he took a contract job at a company. He actually had been a CFO of, of several different companies. Mm-hmm. But he just had this auditor's mind. It was, it was a crack up because he was looking through the data services. They were, it was Frame Relay at the time. And he'd go over and ask the, um, ask the data engineer, why do these services have a price for the port, but they don't have this, this PVC charge next to them? And he just, what he basically looked for was inconsistencies. And then he had to go to somebody who had the technical knowledge, mm-hmm. and most of the time he was right. It was like an abandoned abandoned data line or something like that. It was really funny to watch him work because he um, he just looked for patterns and looked for consistencies. So it's definitely worth looking at the bill and having someone explain it to you and make sure you understand it. Uh, if you have some of that knowledge, there's actually there's actually training on every uh, on um, G Suite. Microsoft Azure and uh, and Amazon Web Services. There, there's a, a 40 minute course that will tell you how their billing works. Really? Watch a 40 minute video, yeah, and, and understand how the billing works, and that will give you a head start. And you still might need some help from some engineering resources. Probably will if you want to make changes or alter the infrastructure at all. But um, at least you have a head start to know what you're looking at and understanding the costs. And these are an increasing cost for people. So this is a um, this is a real opportunity to save money. Any advice for technology expense management that wants to do their own internal auditing? Well, I'm always tempted to say hire me. <laughs> we both want to say that. But yeah, and really. Um, and, you know, it's funny because with this, just like I said before, it's not like the um, the old secret or obscure knowledge days of consulting. There definitely is something to be said for experience. But really, I'm always happy to share knowledge because mm-hmm. really it's just a lot of heavy lifting. And I've had customers tell me, well, we're going to do our own cleanup first, you know, um, before we bring you in. It's like, okay, but what you're probably going to end up doing is doing the hard work for me. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> 
clean inventory and I'm going to go this, 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 and that. Uh, you know, and that's fine. But really, it's, it's what I tell people a lot of times is if you have people who have the knowledge to do this internally, they're probably really busy with a lot of other things. So, um, but really, the advice I give people is, is my own process, which is, first of all, having a good sponsor, having somebody who's a stakeholder who understands what the value is and who can kind of champion what you're trying to do because you're going to have to talk to a lot of different departments and a lot of different people. So kick off the project and make sure you have somebody who understands what the value is Mm -hmm. and what you're trying to do. And if you don't have that, which I know is a reality at some companies, there's um, low-hanging fruit. So start auditing some things. Start with your Office 365 or your G Suite bill or something where you know there's a lot of a lot of change can 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 lead to a lot of inconsistencies. Just do a cleanup on it and show someone the savings. Get people's attention with that low hanging fruit. Say, look, I just was, I just did a test cloud audit with the service and look how much look what percentage of money we saved. And eventually you'll build uh, more and more trust to look at other other systems and to work with other people and turn it into a real project. And more than anything, you've probably noticed that I like to use the term savings opportunities. Mm -hmm. I don't ever, I never point a finger at people and say, you're wasting money. And we know that they are. They're they're, at a lot of times when I have these examples of people who say, I'm just going to buy enough for three years. It's like, you just want to say you're wasting money. But really, um, you want to you want to have operational allies. You want right. to have people that are on your side, not people that you're accusing and they're trying to hide things from you or to clean it up ahead of you or anything like that. You really want that whole team kind of win-win environment. So I use the term savings opportunities, not wasted money. Um, we have opportunities to save money and that's an awesome thing. And it's money. And a lot of times that is really what it is because the company already had budget for uh, what they were paying for us, and now it's it's kind of a windfall, and maybe they can use that for a security audit. You know, I've actually had that happen a couple of times where people say, wait, you know, these people still had access to our environment. Should we do a security audit? And, and all of a sudden you have this additional operational revenue to do that. So that's a great thing. So really, um, really the approach should be very diplomatic, and you have people that will be, you know, get people just as excited about it and, and give them credit for their part in saving that money. And then I would say also what's important is the, and this this isn't just cloud, this goes back to telecom auditing, the right level of expertise. Um, I've seen too many people who will have someone like a summer intern try try and... Try and like they'll give a summer intern a phone bill or a, a cloud services bill and say, see what you can find out about this because you know they're in their second year um, business finance degree or something like that. And you really having somebody who has a background in the technology is very very valuable for managing the costs. Um, if you do, if you can delegate your cost management to accounting resources, make sure they're committed to understand the services. Accounting accounting type people can be very good. Like my example of the waiting to retire CPA. Mm-hmm. His wife, by the way, was five years younger than him, and he was waiting for her to finish. She was a kindergarten teacher, 
And then he was like, as soon as his wife was ready to retire, he was out the door. But he was a really amazing to watch him work, you know, someone with that much, so that many years of experience in finance and actually being a controller and a CFO working on bill audits was really a crack up. But um, I can imagine really, people, okay, so there's, those, there's so much technical involved that, you know, and, and, and jargon and um, things that look like they don't make sense, but they do. Oh, yeah, but he had told me a story. He had told me a story about how he worked for a company that painted RVs and figured out that some of the employees were doing aside painting jobs on Saturday evenings by looking at the consumption of paint. So it was like a <laughs> mind. It was like <laughs> that we're off telecom. But, yeah, you could see the same concept with just kind of looking at data services and not understanding them, but knowing something. There was a mismatch somewhere. But um, yeah, that's great because you know, already, yeah, a good auditor is a yeah. good auditor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's if you're already involved in telecom expense management, you already have some background in that. You're mm-hmm. also a really good start with this stuff. It really is a lot of the same processes. There's going to be things to learn and, and you know new types of arrangements for service and and but really that's a good place to start. And um, you you shouldn't be afraid of starting and just just jumping in. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say last, really, you know, make sure you have as much access to online portals and resources as you can get. Don't try and do things with paper. Don't try and let anyone just give you paper bills. When, oh, um, good Lord. You're going to want what, yeah, you're going to want to, and, and what's nice about that, because everything, most of the permission on cloud services is roles-based, you can usually get very broad access. Um, if you're an internal employee and you're talking to somebody who's like, Amazon experts, they're not going to want you to be able to mess up anything because this is probably some pet project, but um, they will give you read-only access and you can get global reader access on almost all of these systems. So really get as much portal access as you're able to. And by saying, you know, you can set it up so that it's read-only and I can't mess up anything. uh, A lot of times people will give you that access, even if you don't have the technical background. Very good. Well, we're sort of coming to the end of the show, um, and I think it's been very informative. Thank you, Robert. Um, what oh, would you? For having me. Oh, you're welcome. Um, what would you like to to leave with our listeners? What would you tell them in a minute or two as to what they should be doing? Well. I would say this. I would say, first of all, there's um, it's one thing we didn't really cover, and that's that there's a challenge right now with cloud services in that a lot of times at a company, they're, they're, they're kind of a pet project or as a part of a digital transformation, and they're well-funded. You know, they're moving everything to this digital environment and, and so on. And so really, if you can get ahead of that and start controlling costs, if you're like within, if you're within the organization, that's a wonderful thing because that will only, um, only save more money and really be proactive. But a lot of times, um, just like with telecom in the past, you kind of have to, you might have to wait till it's seen as a commodity or a nuisance expense. But once it is, once, people start realizing that they're not saving the kind of money they did or once the initial project budget runs out, there is going to be a need for this. I would suggest really doing it, um, doing it with an outside resource. We actually do it um, with no upfront cost. So, Oh, that's good. I just, 
just the way a lot of um, a lot of people will audit telecom bills. We'll we'll just if we've saved you money, we'll take a small share of the savings. But other than that, there's no risk. And so really do it yourself or, or have someone do it, but definitely um, get involved in it because it really is just like my example with the SharePoint hosting that got moved to Dell. Mm-hmm. It really is going to be the next big expense like telecom was back in the uh mid to late 90s so okay if somebody jump in and start looking at understanding things if somebody needs to contact you and have some questions where do they reach you they can reach me through the website it's www.audittheCloud.com. audit the cloud that sounds good yeah that's easy to remember too well robert i really appreciate your time today I believe um, we've left a lot of information with our listeners, and hopefully going forward, they have some ideas of what they should be looking at, and if they can't figure it out, they should be calling you. Sounds good. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate your time as well. No, thank you. You have a great day, and uh, enjoy the sunshine. Thank you. you for making telecom talk a part of your week be sure to join host pat Pittman for another episode next monday at 4 p.m eastern time and 1 p.m pacific time on the voice america business channel we'll connect again next week Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to